the Voice America Variety Channel. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Uh, joining me this morning is uh, my first guest, my only guest. We're going to be talking for a whole hour. I'm excited about this. Jill Teitelman. She's author of Saving Gracie, which is a novel. Uh, she is a writer. A she's taught at the Sorbonne, the School of Visual Art, Simmons College. She lives. Uh, it says on her book she lives in Boston on Cape Cod. But the number I have for her is a two one two number, which is New York. We'll have to ask her about that. You can visit her website at www.saving-gracie.com. Well, if you're over fifty, you're single, and you're still searching for Mr. Right. Uh, according to a recent study published by Bowling Green State University's National Center for Family and Marriage Research, nearly one-third of the baby boomer generation is facing the difficulty or the difficult reality of spending the rest of their lives alone. But apparently not for this booming babe. Um, that's Jill with her de- debut novel, Saving Gracie. Jill Titleman jumps right into the risky world of romance later in life and into the circle of hell she calls online dating. But the book is about much more than that. This is the stuff we got from PR people. But um, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Jill. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah. Great to be here. Um, you know, right before we got on, you said to me, you asked me, well, have you actually read the book? Because that's a good question. Because I, <laughs> I mean, the truth is I interview so many people, so many books, and no, I don't always read the, all the books, but yours I did. I couldn't. It was one of those page turners, couldn't put it down. I really identified with a lot of the stuff you had in the book. So, uh-huh. oh, well, it's great to hear. You know, that's the exciting thing about, about writing a book is people come back at you with so much um so many stories that resonate for you, and you learn so much more. You open up a topic in the book, and then, you know, one of my topics is, of course, mortality, because, you know, you start to face that. Um, a lot of us in my age group have lost friends already, even a long time ago, um, and that's one of the themes of the book. Is I mean, there is, are a lot of themes you know, in this book, I would say. You know, I mean, it's kind of advertised or marketed as a book about a baby boomer and being a single mom and being a single parent and online dating, and it is all about that. But to me, and I think I, in another interview you had done, Joe, you said it's really it's a it's a, a book about a relationship between two women. It's um, and friendship, mm-hmm. the friendship relationship, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. So Women's where do we friendship. want to start, though? Because you, you, have, you say it's a novel, but it seems like a memoir. Can we it, start it with is, that? Well, you know, it, it is, it's a, a very, very, uh, I, I like to say 95% true and 5% and sort of, you know, embroidered a little bit. It's, uh, it did start out as a memoir, and then somehow in the process of writing it, it sort of shifted into fiction because there were just times when I needed to either have a little more fun by exaggerating or... Uh, throw in, a, you know, a scene that didn't really happen, but in my imagination, you know, kind of could have. Uh, but it, it does, it is, uh, sometimes, at one point I was thinking of a term, I, I thought, well, maybe it's fictoire, you know, I was trying to think of a whole new, a whole new, uh, term, you know, for, where you admit that, yes, it's mostly true, and guess what, I also had to lie a little bit. Um, so that was one of the, uh, that just sort of happened as I was writing it. So do we know, uh, you know, do we need to know, like, which part is 
is the memoir, and which part is a novel, or that's really not necessary? Uh, do you need to know? Uh, do you? Well, I suppose the question is, do you want to know? I, mean, I do want to know. I'm very curious. But before, uh-huh. but before we get into that, just give yes. an overview. You give an I mean, I gave an, okay. an overview, yeah. but you give an overview of what the book is about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, it's it's really the very quick answer is it's really a story about a friendship between two women who meet uh, when their kids are in preschool. Uh, one of them is married and has lived a very traditional life, uh, been married forever, and has a family. The other one uh, is a character who has had her child very late. Uh, she's over forty when she does finally have her first child. She has it with a man she doesn't marry and eventually um, leaves. So she's a single mom with this, you know, young child. Um, she's moved out of New York City to Boston where she meets this family, um, this woman her, who's Gracie, who is Gracie. And, the, and then lots of stuff happens to both of them, but their friendship is really, I, I, like, to, I like to call it dark female humor because they deal with, course a lot of difficult things happen and, and even worse and difficult and they get through it with uh, coping with it by somehow they're both very funny and they're very funny together and that's kind of how they get through through things well i identified oh. with that in the sense that i had a friend who just recently died this summer of ovarian oh, cancer mm-hmm. friends since oh, nine boy. years old so i'm thinking oh so my this goodness book, yeah it was i mean so oh. it really hit me in the heart but uh-huh. um yeah now is there a Gracie in your life, or was there? Well, we don't want to we don't want to spoil the plot. Okay. <laughs> of the book, I think wouldn't be fair. Um, we know somebody has cancer. We don't know what happens. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but the tr- the answer is yes. The character who is the the former New Yorker who you know moves to the suburbs of Boston. To me, you know, Boston always does feel like. Suburbs compared to Manhattan, it, it um, does. Uh, and you know that character is me, uh, and is I, I suppose I should say. And the uh, the other family did exist um, that I became you know close with, and um, yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of the it, you know it's it's a lot about parenting you know whether it's single parenting or any kind of parenting happily married you know parenting. There's just a lot of a lot of difficulties that happen with with um, just all the zillions of issues. Of, you know how but you're what kids about, doing you know, in school. Let's get back because I don't want to leave this because you know your relationship with or great with Gracie mm-hmm. um, and and the characters in the book are very different. Their lifestyles are very you know Gracie is what is is married happily married uh, kids suburban and. Um, and and you in the book are are <laughs> yes. can I, have, I have to keep Unsettled. saying that yeah uh, you the, know the, the you know the, the the Ruth is the name of the protagonist and yeah. she she's just always lived a little bit on the edge she's she didn't want to get married when all her friends got married in their late twenties and thirties and she has lived in Europe and she's bounced around and she's she's a writer type so she can sort of justify everything she likes to live life so she can write about it. Why? So what do you think, what was the attraction? I mean, because I think a lot of us, my, my friend who died, actually, I mean, very similar. You know, we're very different. I mean, mm-hmm. and yet there was a, a just a camaraderie, an attraction, somebody I could always count on, even if I didn't see her that often. Um, 
So what do you, what connected you, what connected you, uh, Ruth and Gracie in the book? You know, that's a great question. And I, I, when I think about it, I think it's, you know, what, what connects us to all our friends? So we have different kinds of connections with each friend. In this case, uh, these women really do share a way of looking at the world, um, a kind of a uh, little bit naughty, uh, irreverent, um, you know, very sharp-witted, sometimes unkind. I mean, I would say that, that, you know, there are times when one gets carried away with sort of giggling about other people or that, that you know, I, I don't know that it's all so praiseworthy, but they have a very cynical you know, and I think hopefully extremely, extremely laugh, you know, very, very funny sort of view of things. They sort of see the humor in life. And, and when things get, get dark, then the humor just gets, I think, I hope, you know, even, even more intense. Um, you know, people say you, you read it, you laugh, you know, you cry and then you laugh again because even, even through the tears, I mean, what else do you do when things get tough but somehow try to find something that's funny? about it whatever yeah. whatever it is if it's the horrible decor of the waiting room in the in the radio you know the radiation ward of the hospital if it's if it's uh you know some some very funny person that you sort of some nurse that you're sort of observing doing something strange you know what whatever it is um in this case i i had a good time kind of sending up that you know boston of course is a huge medical community uh, you know, people come to Boston from all over the world for for medicine, and and this was a journey through the through the hospitals of Boston because, um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of comp- complicated things going on uh, with this, and there's there's uh, so there's a lot of medical stuff, and you know, from the point of someone who just knows nothing about that, uh, fortunately, um, you know, both characters actually until it all happens. There's just so much astonishing stuff. I mean, I never knew there were there was valet parking at hospitals, for instance, and I never knew. Um, well, you know, you know what they, it is? It's kind of that. Uh, I call it the Stephen Colbert humor. I don't know, or John Stewart kind of humor. I mean, that the dark side, and, and I agree. I think that's the stuff that does get you through something like this. And we, we didn't actually talk about it, but Gracie is diagnosed with cancer, um, and so it's that whole journey with you and her and cancer. And yeah, you, if you don't have that kind of humor. Uh, it's very difficult to get through, um, like a horrendous diagnosis like that of of, of cancer, mm-hmm. life threatening, mm-hmm. terminal illness, all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and it isn't just to you know be negative. It's it's also. I mean, there's a lot of joy and 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 celebration. All the humor isn't sort of at other people's expense or, you know, out of a way of complaining. But but it is it is one way. I mean, uh, they just they're just so many funny things and and then and then in the journey of this that you sort of the other one another aspect of the book at least briefly is kind of the the holistic new age medicine versus the traditional medicine because at one point this sort of her both the bohemian character you know uh ruth it suddenly decides she's got this great idea she's going to get her friend to go to um, a healer a chinese man in, in in chinatown in boston who does a very you know it's basically something like voodoo it's it's uh, moving energy around her and, and and you know acupuncture and there i i think acupuncture can be wonderful and but but this this man is a, you know even stranger than that <laughs> well this was kind and, of the extreme i'm going to cure you of this life threatening illness with the right as you say kind of not even not traditional acupuncture actually right waving yeah. waving his arms around yeah. her and and you know uh 
and so there's there, there's that hope and that sort of interest and that all these other characters that come that come to visit this healer and the one friend is sitting in the waiting room while while uh, Ruth while Gracie is in the room with this Chinese man and she starts talking to all these other people that are coming for all kinds of reasons and it's just you know <laughs> she's uh, she's just living a larger life through all this because uh, you know she's. She's a single mom. She teaches as a college teacher. She really has to spend most of her time either working or taking care of her kid. And then she makes room in her life to help her friend through this journey. And Don't you think, Jill, that um, when you have two friends who come from, maybe not emotionally, but just kind of in terms of their their outside, you know, marriage, not married, come from different places, that they have so much to offer each other. One reason is because they're not competing with one another. You know, they're in different realms. They can, you know, they can get the best from both worlds kind of thing, you know, or share the best um, mm-hmm. experiences, but they're not not competing in the same uh, yeah. venues, I guess. Well, I think it's it's really interesting to have friends who've taken different routes through life, who've chosen different pathways, and and I I think it's because there's always a part of us that kind of wonders, gee, wouldn't wouldn't life be better if I had just done you know X instead of Y? But you've been crazy. You mean gotten married, had your kids, lived in Brookline, and called it a day? (laughs) Well, you know, you no, because it's just not who you are, and it's not what your destiny was, and you you sort of. You understand, but you get to live it. If 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 you have a, a close friend who's living this different kind of life, it's great because you can sort of. Some days you say, "Well, geez, thank goodness I didn't do that. Why am I beating myself up about the fact that I'm single?" Uh, and then the other day you can say, "Well, isn't that lovely?" But you can sort of join in. You can be you can be part of it. I mean, the, the single mom with with the son who's when the book starts, the the the, the kids are, are three years old, three and a half, four. Uh, you know, gets taken in by this family uh, who she becomes part of their family. They're a very, very welcoming, very open, amazing couple. And and they have a couple of sons, and so she can just go over there anytime and just she doesn't have to call. She just sort of knocks on the door when she needs a break or she needs a meal or she just can't stand being with her son anymore by herself. So she goes over there. It's a, it's a refuge for her. Um, you know, on top, and then she and her friend get to sit in the kitchen and drink tea while the kids throw popcorn all over the rest of her house. <laughs> yeah. So that now I kind of want to switch to okay, let's talk about you. Okay. Jill Eidelman. <laughs> and we'll leave the book aside for a minute. Yeah, your life what the real you, the real The real Jill, me. Okay. cuz I know that's in in this what fictoire, but you are from I mean, you lived in New York. Let's you know, and then moved to Boston. Um so and single mom, um, but so let's talk about your your life. Your you know, did you come? Where did where where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in New England. I, I grew up in in Connecticut near New Haven. Okay. So New York was you know was very close to New York City. It was about an hour and a half by train. So, and I was always very much you know I, I love New York. My my parents used to go there once in a while to see you know theater or whatever. And, we were, I was always a big cultural consumer. My mother was, so, you know, I loved theater. And so then I couldn't wait to go. So I went to I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is a, a college in Bronxville, which is you know very close to the city. It's it's a you know there was a quick train to to go to New York. So during college I could be in the, in Manhattan quite a lot. And then of course I immediately moved there as soon as I graduated. Um, 
And then I did take a little bit of time off. I was in Europe for about three years at, at one point. I had uh, studied French, and I was getting my master's in French at a program in Paris that was, you know, it's a long story. But anyway, I moved to Paris, Paris, and then I ended up in London and Spain, and it, it had a lovely time. It was, things were still really cheap. I had a extremely, I had a house in Spain with a friend, and we were, I think the rent was $39 a month, so this was a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah, you know yes. you're dating yourself, $39 yes, I'm dating myself, although, yeah. yes, this was a very poor section of Spain, and, you know, so um, it was, and there, you know, I had some opportunity to do that, and I grabbed it, and um, then I moved back to New York, and, I, and then when I moved back the second time, I moved to the East Village, so I was really in the East Village on 12th Street and 2nd Avenue for in the same apartment for 14 years, which is certainly not a record in New York, but it's a long time to be uh, in one apartment. Uh, yeah, it, I think especially you know. in the East Village. I mean, I, I yeah. one of my sons lived in the East Village for like three years. And, oh, and really? Moved, uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. I see, you have one right. son, I assume. You I know, and then all of a sudden this crazy idea comes to me. Uh, you know, I think I, I don't even think I started even thinking about having a child until I was... I certainly didn't even hear to me. So you were in you know, the city near East Village, and you were working at what and where? I would teach at that. I had worked in television. I had I had gotten my degrees, and I uh, first I worked in in television. I was a producer, and I wrote scripts. And then I went back to school, and I got my masters in in uh, English and creative writing. So then I was teaching at that point. I started teaching creative writing mostly, and I was so I had a, you know a good job not very far away from where I lived, and I was there for a very long time teaching at the School of Visual Arts, mostly. That was uh, So I was teaching art students how to write, which was lots of fun. Um, they were very interesting students and, uh, you know, visually very, very gifted, and a lot of them also um, were very literary as well. So that was lots of fun. I had a brother-in-law who taught at the School of Visual Arts. Oh, no artist, kidding. A very well-known artist, uh, Larry Zox. Huh? He's since deceased. But, uh, oh, isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. Yeah, could have been there at the same time that you were. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah. so you were teaching at the School yeah. of Visual Arts. And, yeah. and then, as in the book, uh, a friend of mine um, who was, she was probably 36 or 37, and all of a sudden she fell in love with somebody and decided to have a baby at that age. And and I thought, why would you do something silly like that? I mean, I just had I had never really thought about having kids. I just didn't just didn't seem to be my destiny at all. I mean, um, so you never yeah. thought about it, and then said, no, that's not for me. I mean, you truly just you know. I just I I just I felt like oh, there's time, there's time. I just, I have so much else I want to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to write. I wanted to have romantic adventures. I wanted to. Um, you know, take classes and go on, you know, mountain climbing. Well, not exactly mountain climbing, but hiking. I did a lot of adventures, really, and it just didn't occur to me. I had two cats, and that was kind of, that was a lot of responsibility at the time. Well, they were kind of my surrogate kids. You didn't want to, or you didn't think about having kids is because there wasn't a man that you thought about you'd want to have kids with? Were they tied together or not? Or that wouldn't have been an issue? Um, you know, I, I, both are true. I wasn't looking, I was not looking for a man to settle down with and marry and have children with. I was looking for men who would be interesting and fun and 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 I was you know I used to I liked artists I liked musicians I was just very interested in the being a creative person you know living living a sort of deeply creative life that was kind of there's a, a wonderful book by Patti Smith who's one of my very favorite um, musicians just friends she, and she's 
your best friends with Patty Smith? No, but it's just friends, Patty Smith. Just friends, sorry. I'm reading her book right <laughs> Wouldn't now. Wouldn't that be fun to be her best friend? Anyway, yes, her book, I'm glad you, you, you know, you know it. She, um, there's such a romantic, uh, she has such a, an artist's, you know, passion. Like, it didn't matter if you didn't have dinner as long as you had the money to go to a museum. Yeah. You know, you, you were living this passionate sort of artist's life. And I, I love that, and that's really kind of what I experienced. It just nothing else just really seemed very important. And then all of a sudden, you somehow wake up one day and say, "Oh, it's almost too late to do that. Maybe I should think about it." And what prodded me in that case was this friend of mine who, you know, all of a sudden found somebody, you know, married him very quickly, and said, "I'm having a baby." She, you know, actually ended up having two babies. Uh, with this man and then and I would go over and visit her in her apartment and I would hold this child and all of a sudden I felt this my god what is this this is very this is a very profound life experience that I may not be able to have (laughs) so um, then that became okay maybe I can still pull this off and lo and behold in in the book and as in life in fact Mm -hmm. somebody comes along and she is able to pull it off Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't turn out you know, to be the traditional love and marriage and that's it, but love, marriage, baby, it doesn't go that way. But um, she gets to, she gets to, I got to. You get to. I got to, uh, very, very fortunately, I, you know, it was, for me, it was, uh, and I felt I had sort of done everything else, I hadn't done everything else, I certainly didn't do anything, you know, extremely daring or amazing, but I did, I had traveled and I had done a lot of things and it was kind of like, what else was left to do, really? And that was one of the things that suddenly became top of my checklist. Um, and, uh, you know, a very deep, wonderful experience to, to have a kid. And, you know, having one kid, I think sometimes it's a, it's a more, it can be a much more, it's a more concentrated kind of parenting. I don't know if it's the best kind or the best for the kids. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any best kind, and I'm glad you brought that up because people yeah. think of, whether you're a single parent or you're not a single parent, whatever kind of parent you are, I mean, it just, it, there are different things that evolve if you have one. Well, I always think of Hillary Clinton. She had one, but then that enabled her to do all that she's doing. I think it made it easier for her to do that, let's say, than if she had four. Yeah. Um, so you make yeah. different choices, and it's right. kind of like the character in your book or you. Um, one is different because when you finish one stage, you're done with it, and you're on to next, whatever the next stage is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got this. Um, oops, you have another there. call. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no. I'm interview. sorry. I. I. Okay. There it goes. Oh. Whoops. I'm really okay. Sorry. I got it. pushed the wrong button here. Please forgive me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, some listen. Some women do all kinds of things with ten kids. So yeah. I don't know. Just. Uh, I always think about Toni Morrison, who's raised a bunch of kids and written so many novels and so many wonderful things, and, and had full time job on top of all that in publishing. And you know, well, we have some, to, I think everyone has to know their own limitations. I mean, some people, you know, and we're not obviously all the same, right? I mean, you can some. Yeah. you're right. I mean, there are some women who have five kids and can have a full time job, and others who can't. So, but anyway, so you had one. I had one, mm-hmm. and I do that. That and you part do is have true. one. I do have one. And how old is your <laughs> so I'm last night, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that was always thrilling. He's 26 now. 26, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, almost 26, 26 in a few days. And, um, yeah, and um, 
And it's, he did the cover, as I understand he it. Did. He did. That was an interesting thing. Book. I mean, yeah. it's, it, when I tell people that, they think, oh, it sounds so amateurish. But he's, he is a very talented professional artist. And it was an interesting mother-son collaboration. We needed uh, The book designer had to kind of come in and weigh in and sort of mediate between the two of us because um, I was very insistent on my vision, and he was very insistent on his vision. And um, I knew we would figure it out. Um, because I, you know, but I knew he would, but it, it was, it was tricky. He, at one point, I remember him saying, well, I'll do it your way, but I'm not going to put my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> would you, were you ever so. concerned though, Jill, that it would in, like have, you know, affect your relationship, your mother and son relationship? I mean, I have three boys who are in that, you know, a filmmaker, an artist. All oh, really? Okay. So you have a similar kind of kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we are kind of our careers kind of go together in lots of ways, you know, and I could, uh-huh. there are times when I wanted to have one of the boys do something for me, and I kind of stopped short of it because I thought, we're going to get entangled, just like how you're describing with your son, yeah. you wanted the cover <laughs> one way, and I don't want something to happen to our relationship, well, you know, yeah, better off hiring somebody else to do it. Yeah, it was true, you know, it, that, that was definitely went through my mind, and I did, I thought about this a lot, not just before I made the decision, but even during it, because... If it, I, I knew we had plenty of time, and I thought if it doesn't work out, then there's going to be time for me to get somebody else to do it. But I really, I know his kind of vision and his art, and I really wanted it to be something like what he does. I think he's, he just has this sort of cleverness. I mean, this, one of the things he did, which I, I'm not a visual person, I never could have thought of it, but he, I thought it was very clever. He made the eye, the book is called Saving Gracie, and uh, he made the I in Gracie a different color than the other letters, and which to me, he just thought of that. And it's subtle, and you, may, you know, probably most people won't ever notice that. But to me, it was sort of I and Grace, and the woman's name really is Grace, not Gracie. Gracie was a you know term of affection, a, a nickname. And so he put that I in a different color, which he just does things like that, which I just, I, I, I just am always in awe that he can figure that out. So. Um, you know, so his we did. talent and your uh, ability to recognize his talent and feel it overrode the whole thing that you'd be concerned. Yeah, you know, well, it, yeah, it worked out. I mean, yeah. I don't know that I would ever do it again. Yeah. But, and then in the, the end, you know, because he's going to write the, do the cover for, right? Yeah, but actually, in the end, his compliment was very meaningful to me because he liked it. You know, we had changed it somewhat from what he did. So he he wrote to me, you know, when he finally saw it, the final thing where we had fudged it a little bit, and he said, "Actually, it looks really good." So that was worth it all, yeah. But it was it, it was kind of interesting. I mean, I would I'd love to collaborate with him on something else, but I I, I won't ask him anytime soon. Yeah. I think it's difficult to collaborate with family, either a boy, yeah. a partner, a husband, uh, you know, or your children, yeah. because stuff does get in the way. You got to be Except sure you get yeah. Some there are so many people that do though. Yeah, I mean, there are so many famous. Same famous family teams, husbands and wives and, and parents and kids. And, you know, there are a lot of, you know, examples of that where people do. I mean, in one way, who better to collaborate with if you have working on something that there are always so many similarities in families. And yeah. you have, a, you know, hopefully you're, you're different, but you have some kind of similar vision or aesthetics or something, don't you think? I think so. And I, I think there's also a level of trust, you know, because it is, it's your son or your daughter yeah. or your mm-hmm. partner, and yes, and so there can be a real kind of, you know the the basic relationship has to do with trust, and it's there because it's family, and I think that that's 
a really a positive thing when it comes to working with family. Um, no, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you, and now we're kind of like we have. Um, well, you know what? We've. Uh, why don't we take a break? Because we only got you a minute left. You want to take a break now? Yeah, okay, we'll take a break I've for got... a couple minutes and take a okay. good glass of water, or whatever. And okay, fine. We'll be back with okay. uh, Jill Teitelman and her. The title of her book is Saving Gracie. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America Variety. Dot com. And joining me this morning is Jill Teitelman. We've been talking about her new book, Saving Gracie, a novel. Um, Jill Teitelman, for those of you who are just joining us, is an author. Uh, she has published many stories, produced public affairs programs for television, national public radio. Um, and uh, welcome to the show if you are just joining us. Uh, Jill, what we, when, before we took the break, um, we were talking, well, I sort of, we kind of left the novel. 
and we were talking about you specifically, and because I'd like to get your history, because it's obvious you say the novel is about 95% you and 5% fiction. So it's a fictoire. I like that. I keep going back to that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so we'll talk about the 95%, you know, it's all about you, author, writer, um, and you, I think we were talking about single parenting, actually, because like the, the character in the book, Ruth, you are a single parent and um, didn't have a baby until you were, what, 38, 40 years old? No, 42, actually. 42. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, three weeks short of 42. 42 years old. Yeah. Actually, in the book, she, if you did the math in the book, yeah. she would be just about that age. Yes, yes. No, that's a big topic. Yeah. That's a huge... This is an important topic today because I'll say this whole single parenting thing and young women waiting until they are 40 years old to have babies and then being surprised that they can't have a baby because they aren't as fertile as they thought they were. That wasn't mm-hmm. your problem, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, was, I was lucky, and the yeah. character in the book is also lucky. Uh-huh. Um, the, in so, fact, she, has, she does have a miscarriage first, if you remember. There's a yes, scene, I do, yeah. There's a, you know, um, which, which is actually a blessing. Well, you know, not, not really a total blessing, of course, a horrible thing to happen. But in her case, because she does get to have her child, after that, she she has just met this man. I mean, it's an accidental pregnancy. She's met him. She knows him about what, I don't know how long it is, a month or six weeks or something like that. Not very long. And uh, it's a surprise, accidental experience. And she is, uh, at that point, 40. Um, so then she ends up, when she has her son, she's 41 and nine-tenths or whatever. Joe, what would you say to young women today? This is a, about having a baby. What would I say? I'm sorry, to who? What would you say to young women today who decide to wait to have a baby until they're 40 years old? I mean, it worked out for you. It worked uh, out for me. <laughs> um, you know, well, women these days are pushing the envelope in all kinds of ways. They're doing, you know, lots of uh, procedures and, you know, all sorts of medical emergency techniques to have children in various ways. You know, it's it worked out really well for me. I think for some women, older motherhood is great. I mean, when you are an older mother, you you are. I mean, when you're a mother of a of a young child, especially, you are extremely dependent on your circle of other mothers with their babies who are going through the exact same teething when your baby is, and you want to talk about every last little detail of everything, and it it can be lonely in that way because you are often you know, way 15, 20 years older than these these new friends of yours. And that um, can be difficult. But you also gravitate towards the older moms, too. Um, you tend to, uh, I think. And there is a certainly is a community of older moms, whether they're married or single or whatever they are. There's all sorts of, you know, there's lots and lots of single moms these days that don't even, I mean, in this case, she expected to be with this man, she expected to marry him and stay with him. They were in love, um, but it just it just doesn't work out. He's he's just too difficult for her to live with, and yeah. it just doesn't work out. But, but I'm thinking works. even not just in terms of being a single parent. Let's say a single parent and or somebody who has a partner to help you raise the baby or a spouse, but just in terms of I'm always curious. I had my first when I was 30, so I had all my babies in my 30s, which at that time was considered fairly old. Uh, but now getting the next decade in your 40s, it, it's a whole different picture because it's not just having the baby at 42, but it's having a 10-year-old at 52. And what's yeah. that like? Because 
then, you know, you're, I mean, I think that presents even a, a different kind of a challenge. Um, you know, I, I, it depends on certainly your physical conditioning. I mean, but, you know, on the other hand, it kind of keeps you conditioned. Keeps you young. You got to, you're sort of at the gym all the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what about all these men that are having babies when they're 80? You know, what about all that? Yeah, well, but it's, <laughs> um, it, it, uh, it's, it's difficult if you're single and you're at that age and then you've got this kid you have to run after and then you're also wanting to be dating or meeting other men. That's, that gets complicated because then at one point in the book, the, the character ends up in a sort of blended family. She starts to see somebody who has a couple of kids and they try to throw their kids all together and be a family and, you know, at least on the weekends and that's got its problems. The kids are jealous of each other and it's a long distance relationship anyway. So that doesn't work for her. She tries, she's, she, I mean, I think at least this character, um, Ruth, is she who you is, in that case? Is that you? Uh, yeah, actually, that's part of the 95%. Yeah, yes. that part of the 90 So you were involved, yeah. yes, with someone yes. who had other yes. kids. This whole blended yeah. family thing this is a man real came along who was, yeah, who was, uh, lived, you know, in another state, but drivable distance. And, um, it, I mean, I think it's one of the funnier scenes. I hope it's one of the funnier scenes in the book when, you know, you, know, you talk about how you meet men, strange way to meet men, right? So this character, um, Ruth, uh, decides to go on a hiking trip in the mountains in, um, in New Hampshire. It's a women's hiking trip. It's an overnight, five nights in the wilderness camping trip with, I think, a dozen other women. It's called Women in the Wilderness, and she signs up for this. She, she can leave her son with his dad. His dad is, was difficult as a partner, but he's a, he's a good sort of co-dad. He does help raise the, he does take the kid on sometimes when she wants to go away. So she does get to go away sometimes, and she, on this trip, it's all women, and she has a tent mate named Norma, and uh, they start, because they're sharing the same tent the first night, so they start telling each other their life stories, and Norma has decided that she's gay. She's been married to a man, and she has a couple kids, and Ruth ends up going out with Norma's ex-husband. So she, you know, she said, I went on a hiking trip with 12 women, and I met my new boyfriend. That's how I met my new boyfriend because Norma fixes Ruth up with her ex-husband. And so then Ruth ends up being well. She ends going up with her with with her with Norma's ex-husband, and then she and Norma are friends. That's a great. I like that. I mean, that's such a great story. I mean, <laughs> you never yeah. know where. Yeah, you well, never know where you're going to get your date. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the woman says, well, yes, I, I'll tell you the story of my life. I, I've been happily married for, you know, 25 years, and I fell in love with a woman a couple of years ago, and, you know, my husband is wonderful, but I'm, I don't love him anymore. And then immediately her friend Ruth, who, you know, pipes up, well, well is, he, is he available? <laughs> She's trying to meet somebody. And she says, well, I'll, you know, I'll fix you up with him. So that's what happens. It's just pretty funny. And, in fact, that did happen. Um, you know, pretty much that way. <laughs> Maybe funny things happen to me. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm. I, I, I don't think, I think funny fun- things just happen to you. You put yourself in situations so that you can experience all these kinds of is things. Is that what you and, think it is? Well, yeah. you went on this hiking trip out. I mean, I, I've done that trip out. It was on Mount Washington. Yeah. 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 That's the high one. <laughs> yeah, that's the high one. But I, yeah. I was much. I think I was much younger when I did that. But anyway, so you put yourself in that situation with women who are going to do that. So they're going to be interesting women, or women who at least challenge themselves. Oh yes, with, you know. <laughs> so what better? So women, you know, yeah. I'm a lesbian. Here's my ex-husband. Go, you know, have fun and be a doctor. <laughs> that's what. That's what happened. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep, yep. So it all makes, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they've read the book, these people. There's all these people that come out of the woodwork now and say, I think you wrote about me. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about that. So I think you wrote about it. Does anybody get angry about it? or say No, so you know, far. Nope, so far. Everybody's, you know, so far. I mean, well, I, I can't say that that's a fair rating because actually the father character in the book hasn't read the book. So, and he, I think I'm the hardest on him. I yeah. think that he's, he's the most difficult to like, although I hope you, you, you know, a good writer is on everybody's side. You, mm-hmm. you don't have characters who are all bad or all good. You have to have, everybody's a mixture. Yeah. Well, you and, have the opportunity to, I empathize with each one of them, you know, some more than others, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. she, she just doesn't have, you know, she's, she doesn't, she doesn't have good luck with relationships. This, this, um, you know, our, our, our heroine here, she's, this is not an area that she, that comes easily to her life. Maybe she but, does though, if you can, if you contrast her with her best friend, with Gracie. I mean, uh-huh. think about the experiences that she, you, I keep having to kind of go back and forth <laughs> no. with that. Um, that, you know, when you look back on your life, think about the, the, I mean, you've got this great son, and yet at the same time, um, you've also had all of these experiences. You know, they, 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 whoever they are, they always say, you know, I, I never regret what I did do, but I regret what I didn't do. I wished I'd done more of this or that. And to me, you've like put yourself out there. I think it's exciting. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, well, I don't... I'm I'm hoping to continue in that in that this same mode. I mean, novel? excuse me. This is your first novel. This is my first novel. I've I've published quite a lot of uh, short fiction um, in literary magazines uh, over the years, and um, I've written. I've actually been a ghostwriter. I've written books for other people that have done quite well, but they weren't mine, so I can't tell you what they were. I mean, I could tell you in person, but <laughs> I can't tell you on the air. And um, is that a good business, ghostwriting? I would seem for um, if you if you're collaborating with the right person, it's great. And if, you're, if and the opposite is true as well. You know, you, it, it's, it depends on who you're working with. Um, it can be great. It can be really great. In this case, I had a great. I had, I would say, three bad experiences and one great one doing ghostwriting. So, <laughs> what do get? Just uh, this is kind of an aside, but what do ghostwriters get? I mean, are there a certain percentage of the, the royalty? Oh, every arrangement is different. It's different. You know, you, so it's a you, different kind. And of often you write the proposal. You, the first piece of it is writing the book proposal. So that's often one piece of the work. And then if that if the book is sold, uh, then you know you write the whole book. Sometimes it's a different person actually who writes the whole book, but different. Every every book is different. Every every situation. Every is situation different. is different. Well, let's talk about yeah. your situation because, yeah. as I understand it, you 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 wrote this book, or not as it is in this form, but what ten years before you actually self published it, and so you know because I know yeah the book are, has a long history. It, yeah. Um, so it, yeah. You know, well, I had an agent. I I I wrote it. Uh, you know, worked very very hard on it. Uh, when I was 10 years younger and did right away pulled in three agents, which was very exciting to me. And I picked one and she was a hot shot and she was what I thought. I thought, okay, this is what I've dreamed about my whole life. You know, this is wonderful. And she didn't sell it. She didn't sell the book. She tried um, and she didn't sell it. And then I got really disgusted and, you know, dejected and I kind of locked it in the closet and I kept teaching writing to other people and writing I always wrote. I mean, I wrote, was always writing things in the meantime, ghost writing, doing things, writing other things. But um, 
And then about three years ago, a friend of mine just insisted that I let her read it. She had never seen it. And she said, what about that book you wrote? And I said, oh, uh, don't ask me. And um, and she read it, and she she called me up that night, and she said, you, you, you know, you really have to work. You have to get this out there. It's very good. So that kind of gave me, I think if, if that hadn't happened, I think the book would still be in the closet. But at that point, I tried to get another agent. Um, I rewrote it. I figured out what was wrong with it. It with the time is the true test, and, and it's amazing what you see in a book ten years after you first wrote it. Uh, and it did need. I understood why it didn't sell, and it did need a lot of work. And I did the work. And so, you, um, what you're, Jill, yeah. you're, for anyone who's doing this, you, what I hear you, you, what you're saying is you need some distance from. Like, say, the book isn't for some reason people aren't buying it. The publishers, whatever. So the distance you had created a distance between you and the book. Then you were able. To come back to it, and I be got more. yeah. I mean, it almost sold. You know, I had these I, every every rejection was really loved this, but it was always a but in there, and and I didn't really get what they were saying until I just had a little bit of distance and perspective, and I thought, okay. I mean, the problem was the main character wasn't really large enough in the book. Everything else was was bigger than the main character, and you really want to be interested in the narrator. She's the Ruth is the the book is about Ruth. It's called Saving Gracie. Uh, and it's, but it's about Ruth and her friend Gracie, but it's, Ruth is really the story. It's her and story. And when I read telling. the book, I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it this way, but what the, you're right, the title, Saving Gracie, initially I thought, well, this is going to be about Gracie, but it isn't about Gracie, it is about Ruth right. and her relationship with Gracie and her relationship with the men in her life who, that we haven't talked about, so maybe we should, this is a, good time to get into that because oh the relationship stuff is is yeah, yeah I mean, we've talked we've you know, touched on Ruth's relationship with Gracie and Ruth is the main character but mm-hmm. what about her relationship with the father of her son her relationship with her husband um, she does eventually that might surprise some people because here she's a single parent um, she does eventually uh, meet somebody and um, Goes out with him, breaks up with him, meets somebody else, has a relationship with him, then gets back with the first person and does marry him. And then uh, that doesn't go so well eventually. So there's a lot of turbulence for her. She has a lot of tough things happening. Um, and and then her friend starts having tough things happening. Her friend, you know, gets cancer. Her friend, before that, well, not actually before that, in the middle of that, Gracie's husband suddenly gets very sick and dies, which is, you know, brutal. I mean, her friend is has cancer and has lost her husband. So all of a sudden, Ruth's breakups and, you know, even her divorce, which actually comes a little bit later, is nothing compared to what's going on with her friends. Well, I think that's a good point you know, because you know, Ruth, sometimes with friends or even with just acquaintances, you look at somebody else's life, like Ruth looking at Gracie's life initially. Here she is. She has this wonderful man, great marriage, what, two kids, I think, and, you know, living in the suburbs and, and part of the community, in this case the Jewish community, and thinking, well, my life is so turbulent. And then all of a sudden, it's before and after things change, just in, in you know, in diagnosed with cancer, Gracie, and then her husband dies. And then the whole thing kind of flip-flops. Mm-hmm. It does. It flip-flops. Um, it, 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 it's life starts to go bad. I mean, the first, 
there's a chapter called uh, Sour Blackberries, and, and Ruth is sitting on the, she's on the Cape that summer, and she's eating blackberries, and then all of a sudden her friend calls her, and she finds out that she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I mean, at this point, the husband is fine. There's nothing wrong with him. But it's just that she suddenly these blackberries taste sour to her, and it just feels like life was so sweet one minute ago, and then all of a sudden it's not sweet anymore. You know, everything is up for grabs. It's it's it, your world just shatters. It just it, you just shattered. Uh, what so? You know, even though she has a turbulent kind of social life, and she's lonely a lot, and she's got a she's got a tough life to kind of continue uh, keeping up, this is just off the charts. This is a whole other kind of tragedy, a whole other level. A whole other level of, yes. Which which puts things in perspective. I mean, it really puts things in perspective. I'm sure, you know, too many of us know that. I mean, when something bad happens and you, you, you know, you stop complaining that you forgot to buy eggs yesterday or whatever. Well, our priorities shift. I mean, you know, you're worried yeah. about not finishing something for work or your, you know, kid failed math and isn't going to get into the college of his choice or whatever it is, and then right. suddenly your best friend is diagnosed with breast cancer, it changes everything. Right, right. Yeah. And then, you know, things get even worse because her husband very suddenly is diagnosed with a different kind of illness, and, and then uh, unfortunately she loses him. Um, so there they are all of a sudden, you know, they're both single parents suddenly. So you, um, uh, in this book, you have really touched on probably most all, you, you know, grief and loss, single parenting, mortality, uh, relationship yep. with, what? <laughs> yeah, mortality for sure. Mortality, relationship with your best friend, relationship with, with, with men. Um, to me, you've had a, like an exciting, which kind of a life just up until this point? I mean, you got to, you know, um, <laughs> where are you going from here? Um, um, yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> that's the next book. I am working on a memoir, actually. This book, I'm not. So far, I have not been tempted to lie in my, the book I'm working on now. And it is, it is, you know, it is, of course, about the same basic character, which is Ruth, which in this case will not be Ruth. It'll be me. It'll be Jill. And, It'll be easier um, to interview you when it's Jill. I don't have to keep going back and forth from Jill to Ruth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's uh, it's it's always it's always tricky because as soon as you call, I mean, I taught I taught a lot of you know taught writing for so many years, and when people, I would always say to my students, when as soon as you put the pen to the paper, it's fiction. You you know, unless you say that it's true, don't worry about it. It's fiction. It's not I. It's she. It's he. It's they, you know. It, it it let it be fiction because fiction can free you up. I mean, it's that's why there's you know in the old days certainly there was a lot more fiction than memoir. Now, I think the numbers are getting to be you know different. They're changing because memoirs are so people are so interested in memoir now. But but really, fiction is easier. I mean, because you can to me it is anyway. I mean, you can you always have that comfort. Of cheating a little bit. If something's too painful, you change it. Um, or if yeah. something. No, the boundaries doesn't... aren't quite as strict, I guess, or the emotional boundaries aren't as strict. You can just go with it, whatever you want to do with it, I guess, right? right? So right. you're writing the memoir yeah. now. You're writing, and you're going to take mm-hmm. the character, or you're going to, no, you, you are Jill. And where are you starting? Are you going to 
<laughs> rewrite the book, or are you starting from now, from Jill now on word? It, you know, it's, it actually has, um, you know, it's now, but there's a lot of flashbacks to a lot of things that weren't in the first book. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, I mean, now, in, the other thing we haven't talked about in the book is Ruth's relationship to her family. And you certainly get a sense that her, her childhood was difficult and that her relationship with her dad was extremely difficult. And he makes uh, brief brief appearances in the book, but it, it, um, I, I, he's had a lot. There's a lot more to write about with my dad, uh, who died a few years ago. So now I have a little bit of comfort about that. <laughs> you can and say whatever you want. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you know, I, I, always lovingly, but you know, the truth is the truth. Uh, but I think you have to find the love. You know, everybody's doing the best they can, and it just works works out that things could have been a little bit easier on on you or me in this case if uh if my parents had been a little bit different are you but, more forgiving now because you have oh, yeah. your own oh. i mean some of those oh, yeah. things you know i mean i'm i think in the nature of the relationship parent child is you struggle with all the the stuff and letting go and control and all those kinds of issues but then when you have your or at least i found now with my own children i see oh you know now i have more of a an at least an empathy for the way perhaps the things I felt that my father did to me that was were so unfair, but mm-hmm. as a parent, I, yep. it's that distance we were talking about, mm-hmm. distance from the situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's what's so fascinating about this stage of life for me is, you know, let's just call it the post-motherhood stage. Or I mean, you're always a mother, but once your kid is kind of launched, um, it, you know, and I'm I'm very happy my kid is actually launched. I I feel very proud of that fact for for him, and maybe I contributed to that, or as, certainly his dad did. Um, you know, there you are on your own again. I mean, even if you even if you have a husband, even if you have even you know other kids at home still, uh, they're all gonna you know they do leave eventually usually, and that phase of your life that you've completely devoted yourself to. Is gone. I mean, you, you know, you suddenly you learned all those skills about how to be a parent, and then you don't really need them anymore. You don't know how. You don't. You know, you, you're. It's now you have to figure out what to do with yourself again, and um, it's it's a whole other stage. And I think that you there's you a lot of things, a lot of the battles that you fought before, you know, are kind of boring, or you sort of figured them all out. And the stories that you tell yourself, and that you we all tell ourselves stories. And those stories start to get old, and you you start to think, to, you know, I've been telling that story for years, but what's the truth of that story? Was it really my dad's fault in that scene? What was going on for him? Why did he do that? Well, he did it because he was nervous about something, and he behaved a certain way, but it, he didn't do it to be to be mean. He did it because he was having his own struggle, and and I think you do have more compassion just because you're older, not just because you're a parent. I forgot, Jill. Do you have siblings? I, I do actually have a brother. Yeah, he's not because, in the book. In the in the book, uh, you know, Ruth doesn't. She's yeah, a single single I, child. I, but I, I do. didn't remember whether or not you had a yeah. sibling. But I know, kind of going with what you said, we only have about three minutes left. But the whole issue of you know rewriting this, rewriting the story literally, but also looking at the story in a different way. You know, my father did this because there's a lot of other stuff going on in his life that maybe I wasn't aware of. I think when you have siblings, I have two siblings, and we will get have family gatherings sometimes. We'll talk about something that happened that I'll maybe mention something that I, my father did to me and I was angry about or he said something. And my each one of my brothers have a different story to tell. They didn't see it that way at all. So, you know, the same mm-hmm. situation... 
each sibling has a different perspective mm-hmm. based on who they are. So that mm-hmm. adds another piece to it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great if you can talk about it with your siblings. And, and um, you know, my brother and I swap stories sometimes. And he has he always has details that I don't remember because he, you know, heard different things and remembered different things. So it's great to uh, remember. He's got some, you know, he, he remembers direct dialogue and things like that, which I sometimes don't. What do you um, remember? But, you know, well, I remember, I, I, what I remember is really fending for myself just from the very beginning, just really fending for myself, just feeling like I was, I didn't belong in this place, in this family with these people. I, I belonged somewhere else. I didn't really fit in. I didn't, and I would, I spent a lot of time in my room and I would, I was scribbling. I was an early scribbler. I would <laughs> resort to that a lot. I had, I had girlfriends. I always found, you know, allies. Um, but I was an early journal scribbler. I would rush up to my room and, you know, I'd be upset about something and I'd slam my door and I'd, you know, write in my journal or I guess when I was older I would call my girlfriends on the phone and they were really my, my lifeline. Uh, I always managed to have just wonderful friends. Um, sometimes boyfriends helped too. Um, and so that's what I remember, I think, is the, a sort of the isolation. My childhood was a lot of isolation. Uh, well, I think yeah. we'll ha- say goodbye on that one because that's going to bring <laughs> us into your memoir. We'll, 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 okay, I'm waiting well, for the memoir. Uh, yeah. And uh, Saving Gracie, which is, okay, the, yes, I is hope, the title uh, of Jill Teitelman's book. And I, it's on Amazon, and it's you can get the ebook, and uh, you can order it. You know, bookstores can order it. Of course, any independent bookstore is always great to to go to, and it is on Amazon. And my my um, my website is saving gracie dot com, and uh, you can leave me a comment there. I love to hear what people think Terrific. about it's it. Been great talking to you today. I'm glad. Yes, we had the it was great. Thanks so much, Catherine. Yeah. Thanks so okay. much, Jill. Oh, you're welcome. Yep. Bye. We're going to say goodbye. I'm Catherine okay. Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you have been listening to the Catherine Zox Show with Jill Teitelman, author of Saving Grace, a novel. Um, VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. You can listen to us every week. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.CatherineZox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.